I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Top Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I think we've got something special on our hands today. Um, if you're listening to this on Sunday, tomorrow is a holiday for you, for some of you. Um, some of us still have to work. Uh, but as always, we're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, this, that, and this. Um, and I'm Julian. Hey guys, uh, this is Jordan, and I'm really excited to talk about this today. And uh, I feel like it's, um, it happens to be about the holiday that some of you might partake in tomorrow, uh, with Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique holiday. You, I don't think there's very many similar to this one. Uh, I had a very big stepping stone in at least our lives and most people's lives for the, you know, the history of America. But it's also interesting that in some areas you don't go to work. In some areas you do go to work or schools are shut down or I don't know if the banks are closed I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but once again, a great holiday for, you know, a great person. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll start with it. So um, a, a fun fact first to start off with, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was not originally named Martin. Um, so when he was born, his dad, like he was given a name and right now it's spacing me. I don't know if you know it. Do you know this name? Uh, his, I think it's Michael. Luther. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was Michael. <laughs> and so his dad, um, went to Germany and was inspired by the Protestant like revolution. Uh, and the leader of that was Martin Luther. And so, uh, Michael turned into Martin. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a unique thing because I know like if you're going through a name change, it's relatively simple today, but still a lot of steps. So I can only imagine back then in the kind of times that were then going from changing name from Michael to Martin was probably quite a bit of work. And it's interesting the ties to, you know, that Protestant of Martin Luther and, you know, inspiring so much to change, like not only your name, but your son's name also, because obviously Martin Luther or Michael was a junior at the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, it's kind of like a huge foreshadowing moment, too. I mean, not to like, I mean, I could imagine like, hey, Michael, no pressure, but I'm going to name you off of the, this like revolutionary leader. Uh, but you just do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if at the time when that name change happened, if Michael King was um, aware of what Martin Luther had done or just kind of had a short synopsis of what the guy had done overseas and what he stood for, or if he had full, you know, knowledge of like, okay, I've got this name and it really, when people ask me, I'm going to say it's related to this. So maybe I have to do something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of things like the butterfly effect that could have affected what happened, but uh, you mentioned the word like stand for. And so I kind of want to, go into what Martin Luther King Jr. stood for. And uh, if you, those of you who are not well-versed or maybe aren't um, know about American like history and culture, Martin Luther King was a revolutionary leader uh, for, you know, civil and social uh, justice and change. Yeah. And he did find a lot of 
as he was growing up, he found a lot of inspiration from Mahatma Gandhi, which I didn't know beforehand, but seeing a leader on, you know, another country like that and doing the things he did so kind of peacefully translating over, you know, what he did over or what Martin Luther King did over here kind of ties over together. And I thought was fascinating to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, that was, I mean, if those of you who know too, I feel like that was one of, uh, Martin's like principles, uh, was nonviolence when it came to protest. It would be sit-ins or, you know, uh, marches. But, uh, as far as like his goal was, is it was never to get violent, at least on their part. Many times it wouldn't be, you know, reciprocated, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah. I mean, uh, the road to what we have now was paved by, you know, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears of, you know, those before us. Yeah. And I think it's also at that time you have, or a little later in that time you have, on the other end of the scale, you have someone like Malcolm X, who's kind of more notably violent than Martin Luther was. Um, but both kind of were trying to get their point across and were successful in some cases. But seeing that the way, like you said, nonviolent Martin Luther King did it and the acts that he put together um, for being nonviolent were extremely successful, which you don't see a whole lot of that in today's generation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like nowadays, uh, I feel like it would be more in favor or kind of it would be probably in the best of for everybody's interest if we kind of took a chapter out of that book as far as uh how to protest and um uh, to choose to not be violent or destructive um because uh more recently i mean uh, the news has been or just in events in general have been more the other way when it comes to riots or protests it always ends up you know damaging uh, you know property or people unfortunately yeah and it's intriguing that today we have this escalation of commitment when we're trying to stand for something or you know put our word out there and it ends up <clears throat> being somewhat violent or rough and maybe it's not the sole purpose of most of the people but it always takes you know that one person to ignite something and it all starts and it's very cool that back in the you know mid 50s to late 60s when martin was really at the top kind of pushing his message um, that people stood with him and were really locked into not being violent or harming others yeah definitely and i feel like it's it's kind of odd because uh, Martin Luther's um, kind of how he started or the events in his youth uh, would not be as much. So when he was young, his grandmother died and he was extremely depressed and uh, jumped out of a two story building and survived. And uh, also around that time of like gestation and, you know, becoming, you know, maturing. Uh, he used to get whipped by his dad until he was 15. And so um, just such a interesting and tumultuous like path to become who he was as far as a as a leader who was intellectually and emotionally probably a monolith when it came to what he like stood for and did. And I feel like, uh, I think I'm going to 
not do it as justice as he would himself. But I think one of his quotes was in, in a surmising way was basically, a, I, I can't hate any man or I won't because I won't let him have that power over me. Just showing like the emotional intelligence of somebody who like understands that it, regardless of what happens, like it's my choice to give him the power or give that person the power uh, by me hating them. Yeah. Which stands for a lot, even when you put in the fact when he's 15, the time frame of what was going on between people of color and the non-people of color at that time frame and the tension and, you know, the inciting or, you know, I guess insulting or just the dynamic between those two at the time and the Jim Crow laws and this, this and that to stay level-headed through most of your life to not get in an altercation or something along those lines when some people back in that time were trying to start an altercation because ultimately they know there is they were going to win or they were going to be on a better side than um, the other side yeah um that's yeah it's i mean it just seems i mean personally i don't think i could fully like fathom it um being that like you know granted it's it's came a very very far away from then and so it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes where you know people would judge me or you know judge somebody else by something that's absolutely out of their or my control and granted it's not perfect yet and uh i don't think that something like that will like hopefully we keep on striving for perfection, but I don't think it's achievable as humans. I mean, we're not perfect in general, so how could we be perfect? But um, it's just extraordinary to like, it's hard to basically, uh, it's hard for me to wrap my head around what it would be like to be protesting for, you know, just the right to be treated as a, you know, a full fledged human being and respected and to, you know, uh, to hold, be able to hold my dignity and things like that without it getting stripped away by somebody else because of some arbitrary thing. Yeah. But I always like to think back on in like those scenarios is if you've seen Forrest Gump starring Tom Hanks, they go through a scene where Forrest Gump is going to a university and it's the first four or five African-American students that get to go to this public university and as they walk through, there's this huge crowd, like, inciting and throwing stuff at them as, you know, they go through. And then, like, lo and behold, you have Tom Hanks walking in the back, not knowing what's going on. But, like, take away Tom Hanks' part. I couldn't imagine going to school or being the first to go to a school. And there's hundreds of people outside, you know, obviously not on your side and having to deal with that on a day-to-day, -day, it wasn't like it was just that day. It was like a day-to-day -day basis at that time. It's a lot more powerful than like today me going to, I don't know, like Best Buy or something. And someone's like, hey, I don't like you. Like, I don't care. But back then when you have hundreds of violent people coming at you and saying, hey, like you shouldn't be here is a lot different. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's fundamentally different um, because at that time, uh, like you said, it was there was numbers on one side and uh, weren't on others, and um, like you know, fear, uh, fear mongering, and uh, you know, terrorizing people, uh, 
because I mean, basically, what it was was I mean, I couldn't imagine it being not. It it was terrorism and the fact of you know you're controlling or trying to control people with fear, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it just seems such a far cry from from today, which I'm super thankful for. Um, but obviously, that's this is kind of the world is a large place and. Uh, you know, we're all in different parts of this, you know, trek of wherever we're ending up to be. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not perfect everywhere, I would say. Um, but it's it's just interesting just to, like, look back and see where we come from as far as the history of, you know, civil rights personally. And I mean, that has to do with I mean, specifically we're talking about race, but we can also talk about gender, too. I mean, it's been extraordinary like you know changes as well as you know sexuality and things of that nature mm-hmm. yeah so i think this kind of early movement of the civil rights movement transcends into what is today and that early civil rights movement was in somewhat part led by martin luther king and there was others in different areas that didn't get as much you know publishing about it but they were still spearheading some sort of movement to get everyone on the same page and i think that touches back on or will touch back on that martin luther king was became a a minister uh, went to morehouse college went to another university after that and then ended up at boston university um and then came back and became a minister which i think is interesting for a time like that to be a a african-american minister i just didn't think of that was much of like a common thing then it might be common to his area but it just still to me seems a little different back then yeah um it, well i think the very different part is like how educated he was compared to everyone else and um and not just like obviously people that were african-american or black because obviously their higher education levels was a lot different than, you know, going to college and everything like that. But also to, you know, people that weren't just black. I mean, Martin Luther King was extraordinarily educated on whatever metric you want to put on it. Um, And I think that it, it shows in his, you know, leadership and everything like that. It is interesting that he decided to be like, you know, uh, like do religious studies compared to like maybe law, like um, some other notable, like, you know, African-American mm-hmm. lawyers. I think Thurgood Marshall is one of them um, and things like that. But I think what, I don't know if it's innate or, you know, he learned it from somebody, but you know, the man, the man can like captivate thousands of people uh, with his own voice and telling a story and, you know, um, engendering emotions at the right time and you know they're very very precise mm-hmm. um to be a leader that's i feel like you know i feel like those things are necessary to be a leader and even if you don't want to look at it as far as like you know if you take the historical context out of it of what they were doing uh, i feel like he would still be like doing something when it comes to leading, regardless of what it is, it happened to be something extraordinarily important, but it could have been leading, you know, a company or something. And, uh, I feel like today, if I could take something out of it, uh, like, I feel like, you know, if you were an entrepreneur, you could take something out of what he's saying, as far as, you know, believing in yourself 
um, being committed to excellence and things like that were um, things that were very, very important back in those days as far as what they were fighting for, but, you know, are still relevant to what like normal daily life is about. Yeah. Do you think his leadership style was natural, like in his genes, or do you think it was um, created and built like through life experience? Um, well, I, that's a good question. (laughs) I believe that he wouldn't have been Martin Luther King Jr. that we know if it wasn't for all of the things that he went through in his life, you know, the mistreatment, the depression, the, like the social injustice, those things incited him. And I believe that it might've been a thing where, uh, this man's extraordinarily intelligent. And I believe maybe he, you know, sat down and thought to himself, you know, I have to be this so that, like the future is different and, you know, I have to do, I have to be this amazing leader uh, because like, what other choice do I have raise my children and you know, what's going on and how things are today. I think that's why he became a leader, not necessarily innately, which I do believe he naturally was gifted in something, but I believe out of necessity, uh, compounded that growth into like you know what the history books you know lay out today yeah that's true um yeah it definitely takes a lot of i don't know just different pressures and variables to create the leadership style that martin luther king had i agree on that and i also think it takes a lot of like personal drive because obviously there's a point where most people would get on what they're what they're doing and hit a wall and be like i can't do this like it's not safe for me or it's not safe for my family and like stop or take a step back and i guess an example would be he obviously he was a little bit further in what he was doing and sometimes you know seeing violence or protest or people against you means you're on the right track what could also mean you're on the complete wrong track but in your mind you're on the right track because you're getting some sort of reaction or bringing attention to it is when the incident of having his you know the brick through his window or like his car or the car lit on fire or the car bomb or what it may be is like at most point you see that happen and it's that near to your family that you go all right i might take or most people go all right i'm taking a step back like this is kind of i don't want to hurt them or hurt myself so i'm going to take a step back and it just takes a very certain someone to go all right let me take it two steps forward and really you know push it further to get my voice out there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something not to break it down to layman's terms, but something I think about often uh, that is similar to that is uh, I tell myself, uh, cause I have, I was grew up around video games and everything. And what I tell myself is and in life, if I keep on running into bad guys, I know I'm in the right direction. And uh, I think something that he said, uh, he had uh, one of his amazing speeches. He said, basically, um, there to him, there is no difference between doing bad things and letting bad things happen. Uh, In the fact that, you know, as far as the laws and everything went 
back then, some of them are quite unjust and they have been changed. And so he basically said, like, you know, I, I'm a law abiding citizen. But when those laws are not, you know, my uh, up to the principles of myself and I know that they're not right, then it would be as just as bad as as if I, you know, committed a crime or did something bad as to allow this to, you know, consent, whatever, whatever you'll put up with um, or like, you know, whatever you'll allow you approve of basically. Mm-hmm. And so he can approve of that stuff. And so that's why, you know, he kept on pushing, mm-hmm. even though like, you know, a lot of people said, you know, like you're doing a lot right now. Like if you just give it time, like, you know, things will get easier and like, you know, slow your roll a little bit. A lot of people said that and a lot of people took that stance. But um, but what Martin Luther King said is uh, time is neutral. And basically you you are the catalyst for things of change. You you know, time just going down the road. Uh, that's not going to do anything but, you know, waste time where you could have been x much farther if you would have you know stuck to the grind like he did yeah yeah i think that's a really strong quote from him at that time because when i think about it i think of time being neutral is like they're trying to tell him like oh work out people will help you but like everyone knows if you tell someone to clean an example clean your room they're not going to do the exact same way you did it and they're not going to do the same time or frame you did it so like why rely on other people and hope that they get your message done when like at the end of the day you can rely on hope on them and build you know this trust but like still instill your ways to get it done but the longer you wait like you're saying the longer more variables happen and i think what was going on at that time the civil rights act is extremely timely because i believe if the civil rights act was going on now or that movement was going on there's way too many distractions that would push it away from the public eye and it wouldn't be as successful as it was then. Yeah, that's a very good thought. I've never thought of it kind of like if you pick up that whole entire event in in historical, you know, actions and stuff and put it in today, I think it, I think it would be extraordinarily different. Um, Obviously, you know, Barack Obama wouldn't be president Mm -hmm. And things would be extraordinarily different, but yeah, you're right. Uh, the fact of the the fact of the matter is, is that um, people nowadays are inundated with ideas and thoughts, and you know, new things, so they couldn't keep their attention. And also, the fact of you know, um, I feel like electronically and as far as technology goes. Uh, it would be a lot different but i mean you see other countries doing it as far as you know iran and some of the countries in the middle east are having protests and stuff uh because of injustice and some of that's more political injustice but yeah i mean and to be frank i know it'll be it would have been like a thing of you know you're born into this so it's a necessity thing that you have Mm -hmm. to be strong because you know if you don't you won't be able to leave your home yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it would have to be, it would be so much different. And yeah. I can like, once I, once again, <laughs> I'm wrapping my head around putting myself in the, their shoes. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a degree of reality in my own head of what's going on. Yeah. And I think too, it speaks on like the, when Rosa Parks started the board, you know, sat in front of the bus and then the Montgomery 
bus boycott happened the fact like i didn't i knew it was a while i thought it was like a couple months but like the fact that it was 380 days which is longer than a year um like a peaceful protest like that in a smaller area or smaller region um that took curve took place over you know a year i just don't i see the power of that today not happening like 380 days is a long period of time like some of you that are listening will be graduating college um some of you that are listening like will be getting married or starting your life or moving to a different country and like in that 380 days those people were solely stricken on like i'm not taking public transport like i'm gonna find the means to get there and nothing's gonna stop me so i feel like in today like maybe a few months down the line like oh there's no action nothing's happened like we'll just move on. And like back then they're like, we're not moving on until there is action. Um, and I think that was really strong of that kind of time frame to work on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the amount of commitment that they had, uh, is nothing short of, uh, prodigious and commendable. Um, the thing is, is that I, I hope, I mean, maybe you call me like an altruist or an idealist, but I think that something as important as that, um, you know, naturally human beings would understand that it takes commitment and it takes time. And, uh, those things aren't going to happen overnight and that it's going to be a big change that takes a lot of, you know, consistent action. And, you know, it's extraordinary that they did it for so long because I mean, I couldn't, like, like I said, I mean, unless something was extraordinarily important is, you know, humans rights. And sometimes I feel like today, maybe it wouldn't be important enough, uh, to do something of that nature, to change up your whole, you know, basically your, your timetable, your, the way you go about your day for more than a year is, you know, yeah. something. And I think it's something that like, the reason I talk about it, I don't see it today is like I'll take a recent example of what's going on with like the Golden Globes and women, you know, actors or people, women in theater is that like there's this huge divide between one, the sexual harassment cases two this pay cut and like three, not getting, you know, no or notable exposure for what you done, you've done. And I think like I don't obviously I'm going to say it sounds simple, but like. If you take all these women who seem to be on the same side in that Hollywood world and they take a step back and say, hey, I'm not going to act until you pay me, you know, equivalent to my male counterparts or like you give us, you know, decent exposure or you understand like what we're going through is would change a huge cause and what's going on into Hollywood. Like try to imagine a movie right now. Try to imagine your favorite movie without a woman like supporting actor or actor in there. And then you think, then you, once you start thinking, you're like, okay, they do play a part, even if it's James Bond and it's, you know, someone helped the girl that helps him out. Like she plays a huge part. So if they all took a step back and you have, I don't know, um, an effeminate Jack Black, (laughs) if you have like, you know, a superhero movie with no, you know, female counterpart or the equal balance to it, like just a superhero flying around not i mean it could be cool to someone but like there's so many movies out there that 
you overlook what the woman actor is doing because the lead may be male, but like there's a huge stepping stone right there for, you know, some people are getting paid. The story article I read was like, so-and-so has paid 15 million for a reshoot as you know, the supporting or the co-lead was paid. The female co-lead was paid 5,000. And it's just something like that, that I think now trans porting back, like Martin Luther King saw this, like we're in a spot where we aren't being treated equal and I think they'll take notice when we all take a step back and say, we're not going to support you or we're going to work to make everything better so that everything for on each side works more efficiently. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that there is some push and uh, things of that nature just in the case of, you know, actors refusing to not act if, like, you know, they're under a certain director, or, you know, with the Harvey Weinstein stuff going on. Um, also, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, I feel like it's hard to compare both times because I mean, now is fundamentally different as far as technology, as far as people, as far as, you know, culture goes than then. But maybe one thing that they did have on their side is that, and it kind of works against them in a grand scheme is that they had a sense of the world being small and the fact that they couldn't, you know, hop on the internet and mm-hmm. check out what Italy or, you know, the across the country is doing. So there, those changes uh, had a more direct effect on, or at least, you know, it gave them more confidence on them changing their community in itself um, rather than feeling a little bit more small. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think it's, your, yeah, social reach makes things different nowadays. Like, uh, I think it's a very good point that, like, Back then, you you had your community or your region, and that's kind of like what you knew besides what the newspaper was, you know, telling you and sent out. And like you get this, yeah, more cohesive feel. Everyone's kind of on the same page, and then that kind of slowly expands. You're like, oh, whoa, they feel this way too, or you know, they feel this way, and like you have no idea, like overseas, how that's working or what you know they're doing. But uh, I think that's a very important key to what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I want to go over a few of, uh, uh, in a speech that Dr. Martin Luther King did, uh, I want to go over a few of his rules. There's 10 rules. Um, and I would like to like kind of talk about each rule when, when they come up and I want to see how they relate to today and like how you imagine either if you agree or like how you take what basically the rules and I'll say them in kind of a brief succession. But, uh, so rule number one is believe in yourself. How would you, how would you equate that from back then to today? Like, how are they different and how are they the the same? From the perspective of. So from the perspective of Martin Luther King fighting for civil rights, Uh then how would that, like, how would you use believe in yourself? And then how would you use it in today? And if they relate, if you can, and you know, uh, that's a tough one. I think that one to me, when I hear it in today's society it's a lot more generic and played out and that still carries a message to you but i think back then it's a lot more powerful when you have someone telling you and showing you like i believe in what i'm doing and it's making a change and others are going to follow but today if someone like you know my professor tells me like oh i need help with this paper oh just believe in yourself like it's a little bit i think it's downscaled to what it means now than what it meant back then so you're saying it's a little, uh, it's more diluted just because it's, 
it's kind of uh, one of those things that are now like, you know, trite or, you know, overused and yeah. kind of the more you use it, the less it means. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. And back then, I feel like, like you said, uh, going against people that uh, specifically like, you know, through their actions and verbs or like words say, don't believe in yourself and like you less than me or something like that uh, is uh, that's very powerful. So the next one is I'll, I'll do two in a row because this one is uh, kind of very similar. Uh, be fearless is number two. And then number three is fight for yourself. Um, I think I resonate more with fight for yourself in today's generation, just on the fact that, um, I think in all honesty, like no one cares what you're doing besides yourself, right? Like you care about what you're doing, but then they, no one, it may, they care because it may affect their job or they care because they loosely want to be friends with you or something. But like, I think today you have to fight for what you believe in and what's right. Cause like, if you're fighting for someone else, their motive may be slightly different out of it or like what you're working towards may be slightly different, but if you're doing what you believe in and fighting for yourself, I think it um, can help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, um, I feel like that's, that's basically the only person that, I mean, truly you were born by yourself and you will die by yourself. And in between there's a whole bunch of stuff, but the one thing that, like I say also is, uh, wherever you go, there you are. And, you know, you have to believe, and I'm going back to the second one, you have to believe in yourself enough to fight for those things that you want and, you know, be fearless. And so for instance, let's string these together. Um, you have to believe in yourself to be able to think like, Hey, I know I can get there. I know I can reach my goal. And you also have to be fearless in the fact that there's going to be people that say you can't for whatever reason. Usually it's personal and not because you can't truly. And in those cases, you have to fight to kind of keep your dream alive and, um, you know, hold on to that to achieve your goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number four. Keep moving. Um, Applicable. I think wherever you are, like whatever you're, um, whatever you're at in your life or back then, it's important. It's easy to get stopped as we touched on here. It's very easy to stop and take a step back and get comfortable and stop moving towards your end goal. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be obstacles and walls that take to keep going through or keep moving to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, uh, it's one of those things to, uh, uh, he, in his speech, he said, but like in connection to this, you know, if you, uh, if like fly, but if you can't fly, run, and if you can't run, walk, and if you can't walk, crawl, but all mm-hmm. by all means keep moving. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, um, whatever you're doing, whatever pace you're going, um, you have to keep moving in the fact that there's nothing that happens. Time is neutral when you wait. Yeah. Um, you just kind of end up being more down the road and it could be worse. Uh, but like, that's one thing. If it's powerful enough, you have to keep chipping away at it. And that's how great, you know, greatness is created in the fact that um, those times when you really don't want to do it or you really, you can hardly do it. 
that's when it's more important. Just, I relate it to kind of like, um, lifting weights or exercise when it gets really tough and you can barely do it. That's when it matters the most Mm -hmm. because that's when you're getting stronger. Truly. Yeah, I agree. Number five, follow your morals. Uh, I think it's straightforward. I think it's something back then that probably needed to be said. Um, as today, it, morals are preached more often and taught a little bit more, maybe because of this act, and maybe that's what brought it to tuition. But just follow what you believe in. Um, you know, fight for it, and don't like if you go outside of your own morals, what are you doing really? You know, so. Mm-hmm. And I, I think related to what he said in that like sense was the uh, the thing that I touched on earlier, which was the um, you know. What's the difference between, you know, doing something bad and allowing something bad to happen when you could, you know, stop it from happening or, you know, have some sort of way of uh, being, uh, you know, trying to hold justice to that thing. Uh, And the fact that you got to you got to have morals and or else and you got to believe in your own morals or else you kind of get pushed around and get told what, you know, to do. Yeah. Uh, Number six is act now. Uh, I think it relates to some of his other or some of the other quotes of like fighting for yourself or believing in yourself that you just got to do it. Um, it's going to benefit you. Time is neutral. Like we've touched on a few times and you just got to get it out there or you might miss the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, this one, I, I'm a huge fan of this one and I'll tell you the example of what he said. And I was like, dude, I'm ready to like kick down the world's door uh it was number seven is be determined to achieve excellence yeah i think that um resonate i think that's something that comes from maybe his education and maybe someone he you know was motivated by and i think that if you're aiming for you know just making it or aiming for you know the next day Um, at the end you're just kind of average but if you're aiming for your top goal whether that be an example of being a ceo of a fortune 500 company or being you know the lead um singer of a world-renowned band like you have to dream it to get there like if you're always just dreaming like i want to be the best singer at my local dive bar on wednesday nights like yeah you could probably get there but you're gonna get stopped or that's like once you get there you're gonna be like all right cool like and get complacent Yeah. So the way I took it, and I think it's even like a little bit divergent from what you said was it kind of whenever I hear that or think of that, it makes me think of a couple things and mainly some people and the fact of. So uh, one time I was reading uh, Will Smith interview and basically he was describing how he's the most competitive guy and uh, that when he was younger, his dad made him and his brother build a wall. I think it was his brother. And uh uh, basically he said, I'm, you don't start out with saying, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest wall that anyone's ever seen bigger than the great wall of China, bigger than like any wall that anyone could ever do. You start with saying, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick has ever been laid. And you go on steps of that. And that's what it made me think about in his uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's example. It was, you know, if you're going to be a, if you're a street sweeper, uh, be determined and be committed to being the best street sweeper you can ever be. And, uh, like, you know, it makes me think of, you know, greats and legends like Kobe Bryant or, you know, entrepreneurial people like Andy Frisella and the fact that 
they run this company, but, or even Michael Jordan and the fact that, you know, he's obviously one of the greatest who's ever gifted this, graced this earth for, with basketball. But, you know, the way he started out practices was chess pass. And I mean, simple as that, a chess pass. And so people would follow and say, well, if it's good enough for Michael Jordan, it's good enough for me. And, you know, be determined to, you know, achieve greatness and excellence in everything you do. Uh, it becomes greater than the sum of its parts and the fact that, you know, excellence on excellence on excellence achieves something way bigger than, you know, people can, I think maybe even sometimes people can like uh, mentally, you know, reach out as far as goals. Yeah. All right. Number eight. And I'll do number nine too. Uh, stay true to your principles and stand for yourself or stand for something. That one's to me sounds pretty similar to follow your morals, um, just in a different context, maybe to a different person, but just, you know, do what you believe in, fight for what you believe in. And at the end of the day, like if you do what you believe in is right, you'll have lived the life you wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there's a trend going on as far as matching. I mean, you have to stay true to your morals and follow your principles. You have stand for something. Um, and I feel like all those, like, you know, have a very, very similar theme. And, you know, being an extraordinary speech teller, I think that there's a reason for that. But the number one, uh, and it's going to be kind of funny that he says this one, but he says, have a dream. Yeah. Uh, I think, once again, that lucidizes it. I think that's strong. And having something you want to achieve or something you want to work towards or, you know, something towards the end, like, have it you know, think about it, try to get there or like think about what it would be like and what little changes you have to make to get there. Um, inspires a lot of different thoughts, I believe. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, regardless of what your dream is, you, you to truly achieve it, you have to, you know, stay true to your morals. You have to fight for yourself. You have to believe in yourself. Um, all those things you have to be determined to excellence. Uh, you know, whatever you're trying to do. I mean, like I said, with Will Smith, it was, you know, at the time of his, like when he was describing the story as a kid, it was building that great wall. Um, for me personally, it's being the fastest archeologist and podcaster <laughs> in the world and not to like be facetious or anything, but truly, I mean, um, the way you start out with doing something or like what I like to do is so I have this dream. Now I'm going to take one step back. Where was I before I achieved it? And, you know, but reverse engineer everything and, you know, start from there. Yeah, I think that's a great spot to leave on. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you got something out of it and understood the power of what was being done and kind of understand how that relates to today's society and some events that are may going, be going on or maybe inspired you to, you know, work towards your dream or fight for something that you've been on the edge about fighting for um as always itunes google play radio this this and that any final words uh yeah i just want to thank you guys for uh listening and um you know just being great and uh please like uh like julian said uh reach out to us if you want on tell telling us what you want to hear or even criticism regardless if it's positive or negative it's appreciated for taking the time to do that um Thanks, guys. Later.